Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings, come out and play. Cousins throws. Pass is caught for the win. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on. You are now listening to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome to Believe in Vikings, and that is a 2-5 in five edition after a uh, win at Green Bay. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with the Super Bowl champ, Brian McKinney. How's it going, man? I'm in the building, ladies and gentlemen. I'm having a great day, a great week. <laughs> yeah, Packer week, or the week after Packer week with Victory Monday and so forth. We'll do that to a man, and we will jump into that in just a second. But for now, let's talk about Bet Online. The NFC, uh, NFL season is in full swing. You may not be at the game this year because of the pandemic, but you can still be in on all of the action at Bet Online. Uh, the Vikings should be about three point favorites. Um, that line might change a little bit because of Matt Stafford's. Uh, coronavirus designation. Um, but if you think the Vikings will win this week, head on over to betonline.ag and lay some money down. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always a online casino as well. It never closes. So head uh, over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that is betonline.ag and sign up today. The Minnesota Vikings, the holders of a 1-5 record, went into Green Bay, Wisconsin and ran the ball all over the Packers and found a way to win a game. And uh, all of a sudden revitalized our hopes because if they can beat Green Bay, they should be beat a whole lot of other teams. Um, so here we are. We are two and five with a game at home that we will play this Sunday against the Lions. <clears throat> uh, so big man, you're watching that game. And for the first half it was just teams scoring and there was no punts no turnovers it was just good quality football what was your uh initial take about the victory over the packers i wasn't expecting it so i was, <laughs> I was keeping an eye on it and i'm like wow they they went to they traveled to green bay and had played a, a better game um than the first initial game and i understand it, maybe it was the first game still and people were still kind of trying to get acclimated to play next to each other. They're coming off a of bye week, so they're a little more fresh. And you know what I mean? Be able to refocus, because that's what you're supposed to do on bye weeks, freshen up and refocus. So maybe like all those things played a factor in them going out here and playing well against their rival. Yes, that uh, that happened. So the, we talked about on our uh, show a week ago that the Vikings pr- uh, prior to this year were two and four under Mike Zimmer coming out of the bye week. But when they did win those two seasons in 2015 and 27, they went on substantial winning streaks. So right now that's where we're at. They beat the Packers. And if you start to look at the schedule, it really opens up in terms of playing teams that aren't so difficult this week. We have the lions who probably won't have Matthew Stafford the week after that. It's a Monday night game at Chicago. And now Chicago is five and three, but their offense is not one to be feared. And then after that, we're going to play the Cowboys, who are without Dak Prescott, maybe even without Andy Dalton. We don't know. That's three weeks away. That's the game before Thanksgiving. 
That's at home as well. And then they play Carolina and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, we have the stretch of three straight games at home uh, right around Thanksgiving. And so when you are a team that beats the Packers in Lambeau Field, you get this excitement that maybe these games ahead of us are, are winnable. Now, we thought the same thing sort of after we almost beat the Seahawks and then the Falcons just pulled our pants down. Uh, but, Brian, I think I ask you this every week. Uh, do you see any clues that maybe maybe they are poised to go on a run? Maybe. And, I mean, maybe they, um, you know, coming off their bye week is like hitting the restart button and they're able to refresh and focus and kind of, at this point, they should all have a better rhythm, you know, with playing with each other, especially on offense. Um, so maybe they could look at it as, okay, Detroit is a team that we should be able to beat, so let's go ahead and try to put together another win. And I feel like keep putting together wins, it could, you know, eventually become, you know, something they get used to. And I hope they start getting used to winning. They have the opportunity, like you said, with these next few games, to compile some wins to put them back in, you know, decent standings um, as far as the record. And it's wild because, um, you know, like I said, after you beat Green Bay in Wisconsin, you're like, God, if that team exists, the Vikings, this good version of them, they can feasibly go toe-to-toe with anybody. And we saw that in Seattle. So it would not be weird at all for the Vikings to be 5-5 and by Thanksgiving um, because the schedule is not that difficult. And if the good version of Mike Zimmer's Vikings shows up, that's a brand new season because of two reasons. First of all, there already is an extra playoff team built into the mix. We talk about that all the time in uh, NFL punditry world. And then the second one is uh, owners and the powers that be are even discussing adding another playoff spot uh, because of some of the, the coronavirus stuff that's happened that they think it would be more fair for it to be an expanded field for this year only. So if you're getting to like an NBA style format where half the league makes the playoffs, mm-hmm. then who knows what happens in this strange, strange season. Um, you, Absolutely. Talked, you talked about uh, making the adjustments, uh, during the bye week and coming out looking like a damn good football team. I want to ask you, so presumably you saw the Vikings defense in the second half came out and looked a whole lot better than they did in the first half. They were able to frustrate Aaron Rodgers, and they got some semblance of a pass rush. It wasn't absolutely ferocious like you would have with Daniil Hunter or Yannick Ngankwe, but the pocket would actually collapse uh, routinely, and that's something we haven't seen a whole lot of this year. So it led me to believe that at halftime, Zimmer made some sort of adjustment that said, hey, I want to tweak this so we can do this. Tell me about what goes into halftime adjustments because you played in the league for a long time, good sir. Halftime adjustments normally is based on, like, you know, how's the situation going and different things that you may be missing. It's like that's the time to correct those things. That's why some teams, I feel like when they come out the second half, I'm like, well, they didn't make any adjustments. Like, they just, you know, went in there (laughs) – probably gave like a rah-rah speech, but didn't really focus on making the adjustments or making the players understand what the adjustments are. So a lot of teams um, can go and make adjustments and they'll come out and they'll execute the adjustments and they'll end up, you know, playing better. So that's what we had time for, to give you a break, but then also to correct mistakes from the first half and figure out a counter, like the coaches can figure out a counter, how to stop something, and they just tell us what we need to do. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's the coaches that do the adjustments. I think that um, most of us know that. And um, I think Zimmer did that wonderfully. Um, what about, I've wondered this um, curiously for a long time. 
Is it usually the head coach that lights the fire or chews people out or motivates people? Or is it usually like a veteran player that says, what the hell are we doing here, gentlemen? It depends on your locker room. Sometimes it could be a veteran player who can, you know, really be the force and the mouthpiece and people, everybody respects them who can get up there and kind of try to fire everybody up. Like I had in Baltimore with Ray Lewis, but then you, like you had with Randy Moss when I was here too. So you, you had different people who that's their thing. It's normally going to be a player that's really good. That everybody respects who can say that because they can back it up. Um, you will sometimes have coaching step in and say something too. Um, yeah. Just to get guys fired up or to challenge guys. A lot of times coaches, you know, when I played, would say things to challenge guys to see if they will raise their level up to, you know, accept the challenge. Okay. Um, what about you personally? Um, most of the time you would have been the largest player on the football team. Um, did you ever get up and, you know, say, what the hell are we doing here? Or did you motivate folks? Or were you usually the listener? I was more of the lead by example because I always sat at the end of the bench because I was the left tackle. And I didn't, I didn't talk to nobody too much during the game. Like, okay. I was, like, trying to visualize the plays that we had to do, like, taking my steps. So I was always, like, so focused in on what my assignment was and what I was doing that I had and I had to be at a certain level far as I couldn't be too hungry. I had to be at a certain, like, not even, like, meditation, but at a certain focus level. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't be too high-strong. And I could, it's like then you're playing outside of your bounds, like, I just had to be like more of a calm, focused type of guy. Okay. And so all that yelling and stuff wasn't for me. I would, you know, people would do it, not, you know, here, but I had to be like a focus, like no distractions. Like yeah. you couldn't really distract me. It was like, it was just a focus thing. Yeah. A voice of reason. Yeah. I can, I can see yeah. that. I've, I've known you for a couple months now and I can totally see that. Uh, what about the moment um, uh, transitioning away from the X's and O's of football? What about when Cam Dantzler was down on the field and stretchered off. Um, I don't know if you've been a part of a game where that's happened, but uh, that type of stuff is supremely scary. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you saw that? Uh, it definitely is. I've been a part of games where some guys have been taken off on stretches. I feel like Tavares might have had a concussion before. I've, I've been a part of those different situations. And you're just always praying it's not the worst um, and there's something they can bounce back from because at the time, you know it's an injury, you know it's bad, but you don't know exactly what it is because they don't know exactly what it is until they really bring you inside and really assess, you know, the situation. So uh, you always, you know, say a prayer. You see a lot of guys take a knee or, you know, go over there and shake their hand and just kind of try to keep those guys' spirits lifted and keep them encouraged because, you know, you want them to return back to the game. You don't want nobody to end their career like that. No, certainly not. And it was super spooky about him was it was like a neck thing and then a concussion on top of it. And he's only 22 years old, I think. And... Yeah, I mean, it was it was freaky, downright freaky. I, I told uh, my wife, I was like, I don't think uh, – I can't remember a time a Viking was stretchered off the field. So now, um, for those that maybe don't follow the Vikings as intensely as we do, um, I don't think Dantzler will play this week, but he's in the mix to – in those conversations to play this week. So it seems that – Whatever, whatever happened to him or whatever recovery uh, he is going through right now is going well. So that's a total positive. And from an X's and O's standpoint, that's also good because there were other cornerback injuries during that game. Um, I mean, it was nuts. We got down to that final drive, and Jeff Gladney was our only cornerback that was healthy. And when you're going against Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter of a game, in Wisconsin, it's pretty wild to think that we could have held that off. But it was fantastic that we did. And it was all because of your guy, Dalvin Cook. 
So I want to ask you, um, do you feel that Dalvin is either the best running back in the NFL, Bryant, or damn close? I feel like he's damn close. Um, I feel like each week is a couple guys that are kind of rotating that position, but I feel like he's definitely in the conversation. And um, I think he realizes, you know, after getting a big deal and stuff, it's like he ha- he wants to live up to that as well. So yeah. I feel like I re- he's definitely coming along. So he's, he's just been doing well. Yeah, it was true. Uh put your team on my back type of stuff in that game. Um, So I want, I mean, make no mistake. That was one of the best football games in Vikings history. Uh, I know we live in an immediacy age where, you know, we have knee jerk reactions to everything, but if you take Mm -hmm. a step back and you look at what he did for that game, you know, even though it wasn't a playoff game, statistically, that was one of the best games um, by a Viking in NFL history uh, because of the sheer yards from scrimmage that he had. And then the fact he had four touchdowns, um, that's only been done now three times, once by Chuck Foreman and the other by Ahmad Rashad in 1979. So don't lose the history on that game. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal, and it's the reason that we won. Um, the wind was blustery and wild, and it quickly turned into a running game, um, even though Rodgers did hit on some relatively deep pass the Mike Zimmer philosophy was executed to perfection run the football play defense you know for the most part we did that do not turn over the football and keep that time of possession reasonable which it didn't feel like we we were going to do because the Packers came out and sucked up the entire uh, first half of the first quarter Uh, so it felt like one of those games that we've seen too many times this year we're like oh here we go Uh, but for some more context on Dalvin um He's now on pace to score 28 touchdowns. Uh, maybe won't get there because he would need like another tw- a four touchdown game. But the fact that he's on a robust pace such as that, and he missed a game, um, if the Vikings do even this thing up to a reasonable record, he's going to be in MVP conversations. Now, he probably won't win it because Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are jousting for that award. But anytime a player is on pace to score 28 touchdowns, uh, you'll start to hear some MVP whispers. But the Vikings need to keep winning for that to happen. So I wanted to make sure that that was known. Um, Another thing that I wanted to circle back to, because Bryant and I have talked about this twice on Believe in Vikings, is this game is the quintessential example of when the Vikings and Packers or the Vikings and Bears hook up, you can take win and loss records and put them in a chipper shredder because they do not matter. Um, you had a one and five team, in the Vikings who played superior to the green Bay Packers who were five and one. And Brian, I'll let you talk about this again because you've done it several times playing the Packers and uh, bears, but records flat out don't matter when these division rivals hook up. And you might've even uh, experienced that with uh, the Ravens and Steelers. Why is that? Um, Cause both teams are like drilled so much about the, the other and, how it counts so much more just to beat your rival. So everybody's kind of playing a lot harder and really, like, really trained not to, like, really like your opposing, you know, rival. So everybody's playing a lot harder. Everybody knows how much it means to the coaching staff, how much it means to the fans. So it doesn't really matter, the record. And, yeah, like I said before, and I, and I, I know this back from college and just different situations, doesn't really matter what the record is. When it's a rival, it's a rivalry. And everybody's going to play hard, and it's going to be just a knockdown drag out. And, I mean, the Vikings basically displayed that last week. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> – there was no better evidence to point to for that statement that 
win and loss records are irrelevant when the Vikings play the Packers or the Vikings play the Bears. Um, and another interesting tidbit on that is in two weeks, the Vikings will play in Chicago against the Bears, a team they have not beat at Soldier Field since 2017, uh, which was Sam Bradford's last game for the Vikings. So um, we don't know if the Bears will win this weekend or if the Vikings will win. Hopefully they do. But that's another game. It's, it's not going to matter who's favored. Um, what it's going to come down to is who can survive. Uh, Brian has talked about how that field is crappy. And that's going to be a Monday night game. And we all know that Kirk Cousins has never won on Monday night. Um, so the fact that the Vikings have not beat the Bears really at all in the last two years, or um, nor have they won at Soldier Field, something's got to give. So I haven't really decided if I'm going to prognosticate a Vikings victory. I got to see how they play against Detroit. But let it be stated here and now, the Vikings are due to beat the Bears, and Kirk Cousins is overdue to win a Monday night football game. Um, another thing that was interesting in a very good way is that all of a sudden the offensive line for this game looked pretty darn good. The run blocking was spectacular, um, and that's evidenced in Dalvin Cook's personal box score. And Kirk didn't really, Kirk Cousins didn't really have to throw the ball all that much, but we saw Ezra Cleveland, a rookie, left tackle turned guard, at least temporarily, was terrific. He had one of the best... Uh, PFF scores that uh, Viking has had in quite some time. Bryant, how long, relatively speaking, does it take an offensive line to gel, to come together? Well, I feel like that's why you have the, the OTAs, you have the training camps, the preseason games. Sometimes it can take a while, especially if the offensive line, like if people are being rotated and stuff like that, you want to get really comfortable with the individual you're next to and kind of be able to think how they're thinking, like already know what they're thinking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I feel like it could take a solid like six weeks of them being, you know, side by side and just communicating. Okay. That is a great nugget of knowledge because this was Ezra Cleveland's second game with this bunch. And if he plays like he did against the Packers, uh, he's going to be very good for a very long time. Um, that's a big if because it was one game. Um, but if we follow Bryant's timeline um, against the schedule that is not incredibly tough, um, it should really align with when the Vikings might be able to get back to 500 if they keep winning these games. That meaning like in six weeks, if these, this offensive line uh, stays healthy, and again, that's a big if, um, you could be looking at an offensive line that's hitting on all cylinders at the, the perfect time. And that's important because as Vikings fans, we know the offensive line has habitually for the last decade uh, been one that makes us roll our eyes pretty much since Bryant left for Baltimore. <laughs> Uh, so the fact that it could be getting better is very exciting. Um, another thing that happened this week, um, the trade deadline for all NFL players was yesterday, election day, and the Vikings did not make any trades. Um, there were rumors abound ever since the Vikings looked like they weren't going to do much in 2020 that Adam Thielen was going to get traded. Harrison Smith was going to get traded. Anthony Harris was going to get traded that we were just going to tear the thing down and rebuild and send all of our players yonder. That did not happen. Um, but for your perspective, Bryant, I want to know, and maybe you won't know because uh, social media wasn't a giant when you were playing. Do the players hear that noise about trade talk? Um, no, not, not, no, not like that. Um, you never really know what's going to happen. Like 
No, I don't remember being in the locker room and hearing like too much about who make a trade and stuff like that. No. What if what if like let's say let's say he still played and I know you don't use Twitter all the time, but let's say you saw something on Twitter that said, Hey, is McKinney gonna get traded to the Giants? Would you think, What the hell is this? Or would you just laugh? I think my agent would like notify me and say, Hey, we're in talks oh. with uh <laughs> <laughs> to get you traded. Yeah. <laughs> So I would know from that standpoint. I'm, I will probably know before it probably hit the social media. So then I would know how to react to it and not being caught off guard by having to read social media. Even the rumors? Well, rumors, I feel like there were rumors before me getting traded and I didn't get traded for a while. So, that's, like, that's you know what I, so I write, I've said this before, way too much about the Vikings, usually about an article per day. I could, if I wanted to, I will not do this. I could write something tonight talking about trade rumors, like so-and-so's getting traded. I could give you good evidence as to why it makes sense, and then I could publish it, and then boom, you got a rumor. Uh, so would you be phased by a rumor of being traded? No, I, de- I definitely wasn't. Like, I'm okay. not going to ask my agent, like, is there any truth to this? And he's like, no. I have nobody's contacted me. So then once that's said and done, it's just it's a rumor, and you go on about your, you know, your situation. Okay, well, to the our faithful listeners out there, realize that, that when you are either retweeting stuff that says Adam Thielen to the Browns, maybe, like, that's all noise. Uh, nobody is going to take a lot of stock in rumors, especially not the players, um, because they would be notified, we hope, by their agents. So um, the Vikings trade, uh, the, te- the trade the deadline for the Vikings. You, wait, the only situation where that happened was when – Coach Schill just came in after the New England game and made that train on his own. <laughs> oh, <laughs> without everybody else. Now that it was one time where I told you I had my phone in the meeting when probably shouldn't have, but I yeah. text Randy and let him know, and he didn't know what I was talking about. And I like, oh, you better call your agent. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a decision made on his own by Coach Schill by himself without consulting with anybody else. Like, yep. You know what I'm saying? So that was a little more personal for him. Yep. So that's why it didn't go through the right, the correct channels. For it to be, you know what I mean, a, a real situation for Randy to be aware of. Yep, and if you point to that scenario as an example, um, as you have here, it didn't work out well for Childress. Uh, no. We have we have reason to believe. We got traded too. Yeah, we have, we have reason to believe <laughs> that that caused his exodus uh, from the Vikings unceremoniously. Uh, so yeah, not a good idea. Another thing that's palpable this week is there are fewer calls for all of these terminations, fire Zimmer stuff, fire Spielman stuff. Uh, that was hot and heavy on social media and in Vikings nation in general that, hey, if this thing keeps getting nastier, you know, one in six, one in seven, one in eight, that we need to make some wholesale changes. When you defeat the five and one Packers in their building, um, things look a lot more optimistic. So I wouldn't expect, unless we have another turd uh, this week against the Lions and a backup quarterback, I think uh, for now that all of the potential firings that people muse about are probably going to be silenced for a while. Um, so we got six weeks on the offensive line. We'll write that one down because that's, that's, that's a good um, frame of reference. And we'll transition over to chatter on the Detroit Lions. Uh, We spoke with Adrian Peterson uh, this week on our show, which was excellent. And he thinks that uh, his Lions can up in the Vikings, and he always has a little extra motivation when he goes against uh, his former team. 
and we wish him all the best. Uh, we hope that he performs well individually, but we want a Vikings victory. Uh, Bryant on the show a couple times, whenever we mentioned the lions, I remember in our second show on the season preview, you just kind of laugh uh, because you never had a problem with the lions. And I did my homework. You were personally 15 and two against the lions. So when you said that you never had a problem, you were absolutely correct. Uh, you beat them as a member um, of the Vikings, and I can't remember if you played them with the Ravens or the Dolphins, but 15 times, only two losses. So is there anything other? Well, is there anything that stands out about playing and or beating the Lions? Um, no, because I always felt like they were um, always in the bottom of our division. And what's crazy is those two times, I don't really remember when they were. <laughs> Because it, because 15 definitely outweighs two. So yeah. I was so used to, you know, just beating them that um, you look at them on the schedule and you just feel like, okay, I'm going to count these two wins. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a pretty overwhelming uh, stretch of when you played there in the Vikings dominance. Um, 15 and two ain't nothing um, against a division foe uh, all time. The Vikings have an unholy win loss record in a good way. Um, I think it's like 77 and 36 or something. The Vikings dominate the Lions. Of course, the Vikings and the Lions don't have a Super Bowl. So when you get into a pissing contest about, you know, which team is better, uh, it's kind of silly when neither team has a Lombardi trophy. Uh, but the Vikings absolutely own the Lions, and don't you forget it. Um, the Vikings will take on the Lions at a pretty troublesome spot for the Lions, not because they, you know, have lost two games straight. Um, or excuse me, not because they just got beat by the Colts, but they're going to be without Kenny Galladay, who is their best wide receiver. I believe he has a hip injury. And then probably Matthew Stafford, who is going to go on the coronavirus list. So it makes it all the more important that the Vikings get this win because if you go out and you lay an egg against a team that probably arguably is without its two best players, it will be an embarrassment. And we've had too many embarrassments this year, one to the Colts, the other to the Falcons. Um, Bryant, when you are going up against a team that is without its best player, do you focus on that when you're, when you and the coaches are, you know, game planning, or do you just not really care if uh, players on the other team are out? I don't, tend to focus on it, but I just tend to focus on if, if it's somebody I'm going against and that was the best player that's out. Yeah. I now focus on the backup because now I have to see their films. I probably haven't been able to see much film on them. So I try to just focus in on what they tend to do, their tendencies. But um, can it be a, give you a little calming feeling? Yes, it can. Okay. Because um, you feel like the, the main threat isn't there, but it's still going to be a threat because somebody wants to shine in the position still too. But if you're always going to kind of feel like you can kind of handle that person better than the starter. Yeah. It's kind of that next man up um, mentality. Um, right. I, th I think to that point about, you know, being on your guard about uh, playing against a the team that's without their best player, you really want to make sure that you're up for the task because it makes it a lot more frustrating and embarrassing. Um, if we come out and lose to the lions who don't have Stafford and Galladay, man, we're going to have another one of those shows that we're just shaking our heads. So um, Absolutely. I certainly hope that um, the Vikings are up to the task. Um, I mentioned a few moments ago that uh, the Colts just toppled the um, Lions, and that was after a two-game win streak by the Lions, who looked like they might be turning it around. 
Um, they lost a heartbreaker in week one to the Bears. Um, DeAndre Swift in his first NFL game, unfortunately for his sake, dropped a game-winning touchdown. And the, the, the Lions really haven't gotten back on track after that. Um, one thing that the – how can I put this nicely? Um, there is a thing that the Lions do pretty well, but that's really about it. Uh, they are fifth in the league in giveaways, uh, which means they don't really turn the ball over. Um, in almost every other metric, the Lions really aren't that good or they're average. So on, ter- on paper, and I know you say paper don't play, uh, the Vikings are a better football team. And then without Galladay, um, Marvin Jones will be the next man up and he, he'll be the wide receiver one for the Lions. So in theory, he will probably be their primary target. Um, Danny Amendola is also on that team. Another player that just joined uh, the Lions that we talked about with Adrian Peterson when he joined our show was Everson Griffin. And it dawned on me, Brian, that you and I have never really talked about Everson, at least uh, not at length. Um, do you know Everson? Actually, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Everson, was there. Everson was there when I, um, when I was with the Vikings. And uh, – he was young. He was a rookie. Um, I could see potential in him, but you had like, you had, I think Ray Edwards might have stood in there. You still had um, Jared Allen there. You had Brian Robes in there. And he was like the fourth, you know, guy at the time who, you know, eventually worked his way up. A young guy. Um, I think he came out with USC. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I remember him and going to practice and he always went 100 miles an hour. And it's like some days you don't have to, we don't have one full pads. So, you know, you can take your steps. Like, I was the veteran who was trying to teach him how to, you know, learn how to practice sometimes. It's like, we're not in full pads, sir. So we're not trying to hurt each other at practice. You're not trying to hurt me because I got to play. Like, you know what I mean? But I always liked them. Uh, there, uh, that was uh, – that's a nice uh, – on Everson Griffin, um, it all sounds um, accurate because he was uh, that type of player that would bring the spunk and the feistiness – Mm-hmm. Um, to the Vikings defense and this is a nice segue um, because you have talked about this team finding an identity or finding a locker room voice Everson was that undoubtedly was. for the Vikings and he does not play with them anymore but uh, this week um, to at the beginning of the game it looked like Dalvin Cook was the man leading the huddle and maybe maybe he's going to take that mantle as the team's leader or the firing up guy, even though he doesn't seem like he's a personally fiery guy. Uh, he did seem like he was the one to motivate them pregame. And lo and behold, he had a monstrous game. Um, is Dalvin cook the type of player? I'm going to guess your answer is yes. That can be the guy, the identity. I definitely think so. I mean, they're, they, they gave him the contract for a reason. He's been a leader on that team. Maybe now is the time to step up, be, step up being more vocal. And maybe him being vocal last week, he actually hyped himself up too and went out there and had a great game. Yeah, that's, that's very possible because the proof was in the pudding. Um, I noticed that right away because that's one, th- one thing you've said consistently is like, who's the heart and soul of this team? Who's getting guys right. fired up? And it was pretty crystal clear um through geez what seven eight weeks that there might have been that guy and maybe he's still doing a phenomenal job at it but it wasn't working um we were we were one in five at that point and then it was really interesting to see dalvin being the guy in the middle of the huddle that was motivating dudes and then 
there's no better um, example of that working out than him going into Green Bay, lighting them up, and the Vikings walking away with the W. Um, all in all, the, the Lions are a pretty good team to face if you're looking for momentum. And that's not an insult to Adrian or to the Lions. Um, they're just a team that's injured right now, kind of like us. And um, they just don't really scare the Vikings historically or even now. So I know I'm setting the, the bar kind of high here that you know they better go out and win. But we do expect them to win. Um, some other context before we get to predictions. Uh, the Vikings have defeated the Lions five straight times. So hopefully that's not a jinx. Uh, hopefully that we can extend that to six games. And as an opponent for our quarterback, Kirk Cousins, uh, the Lions are one of the uh, most favorable teams that he faces in his career. Kirk has thrown 10 touchdowns and just one interception uh, in route to a 120.2 career passer rating. Um, and that's all in five games as a member of the Vikings. Kirk um, has led the Vikings to victories four times in four tries against the lions. And Kirk is always at the top of his game against Detroit. The only time that he lost was with, uh, with the Washington football team. And we don't care about that. Uh, so this should be a game that Kirk is due to kind of break out. Um, if it's Dalvin again, so be it. We will have no qualms with that. Um, but cousins is due for a big game. Don't you, don't you agree? Big man. I agree. Yep. He, uh, he hasn't had a pristine game in quite some time. Um, and that's just kind of how the 2020 season has gone. The last time that the Lions beat the Vikings um, was in October, October 1st of 2017. Um, it was the game where Cook was injured for the season. And it, I, I was there, and it really felt like a game where our season was going to go off the rails because uh, one of our best players was lost to an ACL injury. Uh, lo and behold, the Vikings had different plans. They continued a pretty sweet winning streak, and they ultimately went to the NFC Championship. Um, and that was the last time. Uh, so for your memory banks, no other losses to the Lions have occurred. So this game should be one that the Vikings will win. Um, so, Bryant, uh, to finish out here, I want to ask you. Uh, last week, it seems like we get predictions wrong a lot on this show. Um, we do but who cares when we win? It's all gravy. Uh, what do you got for a Lions-Vikings prediction this Sunday I'm, in Minneapolis? I'm going to say the Vikings will win 28-20. to 28-20. 20. to 20. Um, Okay, so that would put us to 3-5 and five with the uh, Bears on the horizon. Uh, I am going to agree that the Vikings will win this game, and I just pray to God they don't come out and look like the, the team that lost to the Falcons. Uh, one other thing before I issue my prediction is that the Vikings have lost five straight games at home, and that is unacceptable considering the Vikings are usually towards the top of the NFL in home win, win percentage, especially in U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, so they need to find a spot to start winning games at homes. I don't care if there's fans or not. Uh, you should be able to de defend your own building. Um, for that reason that we're due for a home win and because we're playing the Lions, who we habitually have success against, I am going to take the Vikings 31 to 21. And I hope to goodness that Bryant and I finally get one of these predictions right. I think we've, I can't even remember if we've got any of them right. We might, we might be over. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good stretch for predictions, but as long as I know. 
All right, that's all I got, my man. Do you have anything else to add this week? Um, that's it. You know, wish uh, AP a good game and he stays healthy, but overall, a Viking win. Yeah, that's kind of what we have to do. Now, the Vikings have played Adrian this week the third time. Uh, as he talked about on our show, um, <laughs> the Saints game didn't go his way. And then last year, the game against Washington, uh, he got a standing ovation from the crowd, and that was sentimental. But uh, Washington lost on Thursday Night Football. So uh, Adrian wants to, to beat us, and we'll see if that shakes down. But other than that, Bryant and Dustin predict a Vikings win streak, and if we're wrong, you can hold us accountable. Um, but as for tonight and this episode, that's all we got, and Skull Vikings. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.